The title of the message which we'll use for ministry this evening is The Foundation of the Cross. The Foundation of the Cross. The Foundation of the Cross. Allow me to begin with uh, three illustrations which are more or less a story but they are illustrations. Many times when you meet people who are prophetic, people who see visions, they have dreams, people who are second to heaven and taken to hell, they will tell you of so many things they have been able to be shown by God. Don't lose me. They will tell you so many things that God has shown them. Some have seen archangels, some have seen angels, some have seen the Lord Jesus, others have seen the Father, others have seen the throne of glory, others have seen even hell, others have seen Satan, others have seen the two demons which usually walk with Satan, others have seen so many things. They have seen the gates of hell, they have seen the chambers in hell and all these things. And many, the, many of these things are able to be seen and even to be experienced. When you stand before the throne of glory, many times you will encounter great authority. When you stand before the Lord Jesus, many times you will encounter what we call the purifying and the truthful fire or light of God. When you stand before the Holy Spirit, many times you will experience what we call sweetness and the beauty of the Godhead. So many times when you have all these experiences, there are things you will feel in your inside. There are things you will have as an experience on your inside. And by the grace of God, I will not give you details. The Lord cannot permit me to do that. I have had a few of those experiences. But one thing that I want to share with you this evening that you should never forget. You will never meet a man, however prophetic, who has seen the cross and gone through the cross and finished the experience of the cross. Any man you will ever meet who has had encounters with heaven will tell you they only saw a glimpse of the sufferings of Jesus, but they did not finish the whole thing. 2014, I was in my room fasting and praying for several weeks, and I began to pray about the cross and to talk to Jesus about the cross and the blood of Jesus. And suddenly I was taken up and I saw the hill of Calvary and how Jesus suffered there. It was not more than 10 minutes before I was shaking and I thought I would die. And I began to beg God, please forgive me. I, I withdrew from the experience. It is like you are burning in fire and you are to withdraw. The most powerful, unpenetrable, unbelievable structure in the whole universe is the cross of Calvary. When demons get near there, they begin to fry. When demons get there, they begin to shake. When demons approach it and they see the ugliness of that place, they begin to beg for their lives. That is why I want to teach us this evening very briefly about the foundation of the cross. Second illustration. Last night I was hearing a man of God, a very prominent revivalist, as he was talking. And he was giving a story about a young pilot who found himself in the combat, combat, uh, combat field. And suddenly he has his plane and he is alone. And a huge serpent came and coiled itself at the entrance of the plane. And suddenly he had an alarm that, hey, you are needed the other side. There is already war. You need to go and send reinforcements. 
And the young pilot is in the bush alone. And the, the python has surrounded the, head, I mean, the entrance of the plane. And he cannot get inside. God gave him wisdom. He jumped over and he went and he shut the door. And he began to ride in the, in the plane. As he went on, suddenly he noticed the python had moved and now coiled itself around the, 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 whatever, the tires of the plane. So the tires could not fold in. So he was flying a plane that was in a landing mode because that is how a plane functions. When the tires are not, uh, you know, picked in, the plane is still in a landing mode and the man knew he was in danger. And he wondered, what do I do? Do I, do I go and wrestle this thing out of the tires? What do I do? Because I need to reach my mission field. I need to go to the other side. And suddenly he remembered a story his father told him when he was a young man. The father had told him, serpents cannot withstand higher altitude. So if you can reach the, the position of a mountain, and he saw that mountain, you will begin to suffocate this serpent because the higher you go, like we are taught, the thinner the air becomes. When air is very thin, objects, I mean creatures like serpents and chickens and cattle cannot survive at that height. So he began to go for the heights. And he began to go for the heights till he was now at the top of the mountain. And the serpent fell off. When we talk about the hill of Calvary, we are talking about people learning how to climb up and look at the cross in their hearts and in their minds. And any serpent that is trying to coil itself around you will begin to shake off. Calvary was a hill. But it was not just a hill. There was such a presence there. There was such a reality there. We have no time, but uh, allow me to dash briefly to Isaiah 53, which is the story about the cross. Isaiah 53 talks about something we need to understand. We begin from verse, from verse 3. Verse 3 talks about, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Six, and all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Seven, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Nine. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Ten. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put to, he had, he had put to, to, to grief when, he, when, when thou shalt make his soul an offering. 
for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travel of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Twelve. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare bear the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Allow me to tell you something. Something you will prove in the Bible. And one of these days when you begin, most of you will begin to have encounters with the Holy Spirit. You will prove. When Jesus was on the cross, there will never, and never forget this, there will never be anybody ugly like Jesus was on the cross. His face was like a rotten wound. His eyes were like almost popping out of the sockets. There is no part of his body that was not shredded. And everything about his face, everything about his skin, everything about his nails, everything about that man that morning was ugly. And I'm sorry to remind us again, it was not summer in Jerusalem when he was being crucified. It was winter. There was so much cold, the Bible proves to us, Peter had to go and warm himself at night. His hair was all bleeding because crown of thorns were put on his head. His back was all shredded. You could see so many, you know, meat coming out because the lashes that went on his back were made of metal hooks. So metal hooks could go in his back and it could come out with the flesh, go into his back and come out with the flesh. And the Bible tells us how much they took big nails and they pierced his hand, one hand and the other hand, and also his two feet. But that was not enough. They took a spear and they pierced through even his, his sides. This side, as science tells me, carries so many vital organs, like your liver and your kidney. By the time you are looking at Jesus, you could puke, you could feel disgusted. And why did God allow that? I was telling a friend of mine last night. So that never shall any human being say their story is ugly. So that no human being should ever stand and say their pain is unbearable. So that no human being should ever stand and say their experience is traumatizing. Beyond them bowing to the Lord Jesus. The more Jesus is ugly, the more he begins to beautify us. The more Jesus is afflicted, the more he begins to separate us from pain. The more Jesus is crushed, the more he begins to heal us. And why after so many years, now 2,000 years, after Jesus has been hanged on the cross and taken all manner of ugliness, why are people still sick? People are still sick because they are not being taught by preachers about the cross. They are taught about healing, they are taught about miracles, they are taught about so many things apart from the cross. Yet the cross is the foundation. 
The more you look to the cross, the more the opposite you see in the cross becomes your reality. When you see pain on the cross, you become sweet. When you see ugliness on the cross, you become beautiful. When you see brokenness on the cross, you become whole. Last night, I remembered a friend of mine whom I loved so much. And I began to cry for him in my chamber. And I felt so much pain. I almost began to murmur against God. I felt pain. And asked God, why should this person go through this? God. And I was crying to God and petitioning the Lord. But it was more out of bitterness than faith. And I felt now I was getting discouraged and my muscles on my head were beginning to pain because of stress. And the Lord asked me, my son, do you want to be free? I said, Lord, I want to be free. But also, my friend, I want you to make him free. Then he told me, I want to share with you a secret. I don't want you to forget. Can I share the secret with you? The Lord told me, I want you to begin to thank me for the cross and ask me to show you the cross. And as I began to thank him for the cross, and when he opened my eyes and I saw an ugly figure on the cross, and I saw the, an ugly, unbearable pain on the cross. And I began to see an ugly face on the cross. I began to feel the pain I feel justified to have should not be there in my heart. And actually when I touched my heart, the pain was gone. Just by beholding the cross and the pain on the cross, the pain I was carrying was gone. Just by beholding the selflessness on the cross, my selfishness, was gone. Paul now says in Galatians 6.14 that I will boast of nothing apart from Christ and him crucified. Why is the, the cross of Christ the boasting point of Paul? Because on this cross there is no other standard that can go higher or lower. Everything climaxes or falls on the cross. When we talk about the cross, we are not just talking about an historic event that took place. We are talking about a principle God has set. It is a principle that his son who is righteous should suffer and the sinners who believe should be justified. And it reminds me of Numbers 12, chapter 21. When the people murmured, and the Bible says the people murmured against Moses and against God, and the Lord sent fiery serpents. To come and bite them. Do you know what a serpent does? How it kills somebody? Of all animals I ate in my life, I ate a serpent. I ate snakes. If I see any program or a movie with snakes, I have to switch it off. I can't stand the sight of a snake. And this is how a serpent kills. A serpent, the poison will move from where it has beat you. It will go to your heart and begin to make a blood clot in your heart. Therefore stopping the pumping of blood. And do you know what? That is what unnecessary bitterness does to your spiritual life. It begins to stop the flow of blood. And suddenly you cannot move. Suddenly you cannot think. Suddenly you cannot transport yourself around because you are in pain. The answer Moses is shown in Numbers 21 was very simple. Take the same ugly thing and lift it up. Whoever will look at it will be set free. The answer to pain is pain, but not your pain. The pain of Jesus. The answer to ugliness is ugliness, but the ugliness of Jesus. 
The answer to you feeling sorrowful and downcasted is the lifting of Jesus on the hill where no serpent can reach. So this evening, I want you to understand that the foundation of your beauty is not in your good works. The foundation of your beauty is how much of the cross you have seen by faith. Now allow me to get practical because we are a mixed multitude. We have children, we have teenagers, we have people young in faith, others are old in faith. Listen to me. The people Jesus met and used were not perfect people. The people Jesus met and used were people who had messed up. Peter, as we have always said, had a big mouth and a big temper. John and his brother James, the sons of Zebedee, had a big ego and they were very ambitious and they were full of vain glory. When you look at Saul of Tarsus, who later on became Paul, Paul was full of pride and self-righteousness and he was very heady, he was very stubborn. When you look at uh, Thomas, as we all know, was full of doubts. The people, I repeat, Jesus picked were very, very imperfect and unworthy people. And he made them to come to one standard. Whoever will see the cross and will embrace the cross will have a future. I want to tell you something, people. But let me tell you in form of a story. I think in the month of May, if not June, I think May, when I lost my grandmother, two women, some of them watching me right now, came to me after I'd buried her and I'd traveled back to Nairobi. And one looked at me with tears almost springing from her eyes. And she told me, why didn't you tell me the truth? I wanted to come. And another called me and pulled me and squeezed my hand and told me, why did you not tell me that you had this funeral? I should have come. And then I went and asked the Lord, why were they so particular in coming to this funeral? The Lord told me something I've never forgotten. The Lord told me they have known pain. When they see pain, they don't run away. They run towards it. When they see pain, they don't pretend, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. No. They run towards the place of pain and they embrace the pain and they deal with the pain and they begin to suck out the pain. And the Lord told me, look, when I finally will tell you about their backgrounds and the pain they have gone through, you will understand why they were so full of empathy. Listen to me. Initially, all you have is your pain. And you are condemning yourself for your pain. You are, you are, you are crying because of your pain. Then you discover, ah, ah, this pain is to give me some contract. It is to give me relevance. It is to give me usefulness. This pain is not useless. It is to make me a warrior of the cross. It is to make me to be emphatic and to be able to heal those who are wounded. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, going down, that God comforts us with the comfort that we need so that we can go and comfort others. But who is this who is comforted? Not a person in a party. It is a person who is hurting. It is a person who is messed up. It is a person who is broken. Today, Christians are told to run away from pain, run away from trouble. But according to the Bible, we are not to run away from pain. We are to face pain with the cross. We are to face pain with an open heart, saying, Lord, you took worse pain than this. Teach me through this pain to be a worthy soldier. Do you know there are people who are so useless, Mama Florence, when you meet them with a pain? They even don't know which English to speak to you. 
Yet they are so eloquent in other things. But when you tell them, ah, there is this issue with the rent. Oh, there is this issue with my shoe. There is this issue with my, my child that is sick in the hospital. They, they behave like they have not heard what you are talking about. They don't even feel anything. And yet they are wondering why God is not using them. God will use you to the extent of the pain you have embraced. The ugliness you have embraced. The, 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 the controversy you have embraced. You know, the Lord was telling me when I was sitting there. That the reason why we no longer have letters at the caliber of Paul and Peter is because no writer is willing to go and write from prison. Because these letters were written from prison. Today, before a man of God can even write one paragraph, he needs an air conditioner and he needs a computer and he needs coffee. But the coffee should be this temperature. And all this nonsense that makes people so much puffed up. The greatest letters were written in prison. Why did God mean it to be so? So that the man can write from his heart, not from his head. So that the man can write from the place of brokenness, not from the place of self-sufficiency. Am I confusing you? Let me go back to the disciples. All these men had a very, very... <laughs> Very, very ugly story. Ugly story. Paul has killed so many. He has persecuted so many. Paul has messed up the church of Jesus. And God appears to him. Jesus appears to him and he says, Saul, Saul, I have appeared to you because I want to use you. But I don't want to use you because you are good. I want to use you because you have now seen you are blind. Without me being your light, you are blind. The starting point of Paul was with his blindness. Not with his sufficiency. People of God, I will be lying to you as a preacher. I will be lying to you as a man of God. If I told you, the Lord will use you when your story becomes better. No. The Lord wants you to face your story as ugly as it is. He wants you to face your story as ugly as it is. He wants you to embrace your pain as unbearable as it is. Then take it as it is and look at the cross. The people were beaten by the serpents in Numbers chapter 21. They were not told to bundle, I mean to, to tie their, their, pay, their, their wounds with a bandage before they, 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 they you know, they, 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 they skid and then they look where the, 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 the serpent is. No, they were told where you are. Just lift your eyes, forget about your wound, look at the serpent. Look at the golden serpent. I mean the bronzen serpent. Look at it. If you don't look at it, you will die. God does not want you to improvise on your pain. The Lord does not want you to improvise on the controversies you have faced in your life. The Lord does not want you to customize your story. He simply wants you to look at the cross and ask the Lord, if you are this ugly, how can I benefit from this ugliness with my own ugliness? If you are this condemned, how can I benefit with my condemnation as I look at you? And the Lord will begin to give you the mind and the victory of the cross. When preachers stopped preaching about the cross, they stopped experiencing power, lasting power that has not bowed down. When preachers stopped singing about the cross and preaching about the cross. Why don't, do they stop preaching? Because they wanted to please people. They wanted to lie to people. They wanted to tell people something that is itching and sweet. But the cross is not a sweet thing. Yet, the experience of the cross, the victory of the cross, is the sweetest. So John comes to Jesus with his pride. 
One time, you know, John and James, they go to Jesus and their mother says, Hey, can you cause one of my sons to sit on the what? On the right and on the left. These people are ambitious. They are like a cartel. They want to remove everybody else and remain at the center. <laughs> and people of God, have you noticed, and this is a big theological revelation, have you noticed that no disciple ever, ever, ever looked back after Calvary. Before Calvary, they, were, they could argue among themselves, fight among themselves, even trick one another, even ask one another questions, is it this one? But after the cross, there was no more stupidity. We don't hear them fighting for power after the cross. We don't, they, we don't hear them, you know, uh, turning their backs on Jesus after the cross. After they understood that the ugliness of God is the beauty of man, all their childishness ended. All their pettiness ended. The answer to pettiness is the cross. The answer to childishness is the cross. And my brothers and my sisters, from this evening as we are going to pray, we are going to trust the Lord that is going to reveal his cross in our stories. I met a man who was so ashamed of himself. This man had watched his parents separate and it had hurt him deeply as a child. And he had watched his father turn his back on his mother and go away. And his mother was left behind and the mother again abandoned them and went away. So he grew up like, a, like an orphan. When I met him, he was now working, he was uh, doing business on the side and he was having a nice life. But in, inside of him there was an ugliness that he had not dealt with. And I began to beg him, I told him, hey my brother, he was called Andrew, my brother Andrew, listen to me. You have a gem. He told me a gem? This is, this, is, this is like vomit. Look at this. I told him, my brother, you have a gem. The gem you have is this. If you can just take that story as it is and ask God to heal you of that story and then you look for anybody with such kind of a story, God will give you a ministry of reconciliation. Do you know reconciliation? Reconciliation means people are to, are to be together, but they are not together. So you bring them together. I told him, my brother, if you can take that ugly story of yours, the story of a father walking out, a mother also walking out, and you growing up without the two, and you just embrace it, and you say, Lord, thank you for your cross. Your cross has been raised to heal me. I told him, my brother, if you can do that, you won't spend more than two months before God gathers around you people with such a broken past for you to begin to minister healing. He told me, but there are people who have gone to Bible school who should do that. I told him, training of men cannot give anointing. The training of God through what we go through is what gives the anointing. I know you want a preacher to anoint you with oil and just to tell you it is alright. No, it is not alright. You have to look at the cross. You have to embrace the cross. And then you have to carry the cross to those who need it. Because not everybody needs the cross. Some look at it and despise it. But those who will embrace it, they need your story. They need your participation. God begins to do Saul of Tarsus a favor. What favor did he do Saul of Tarsus? He began to show him that everything that ever gave him pride was nonsense. This big education he had was nonsense. This big religious experience as a Pharisee he had was nonsense. 
This big pedigree he had as a Benjamite of the Benjamites was nonsense. This big pedigree he had with his connection to Gamaliel and whoever the Roman government was nonsense. And the more Paul began to abandon what used to define him, and he embraced what was yet to be discovered, that is the cross of Calvary, Paul now began to carry real power. Paul began to carry what we call spiritual power. Before that, he had, he had intellectual power. He had, you know, he had, he had cultural power. He had social power. But up to the point when he met the cross, he still was spiritually useless. He still was spiritually ineffective. I hope now you understand why Paul says, I will now boast of my weaknesses. Because in those weaknesses, the cross was needed more than in the strength he had. So what are you going to do, people? This is what you are going to do. All of us have a story. Whether in our marriages, whether in our childhood, whether in our youth, whether in our finances, whether in our places of work, we have a story. And we are going to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the height you want me to climb in revelation of who you are on the cross? How high do you want me to climb with this same serpent till I watch it fall without me kicking it? How high do you want me to climb? How high do you want me to see you? How deep do you want me to see you? Because the more you see Jesus on the cross, the more you see his blood on the cross, the more things that cannot withstand the cross begin to fall apart. Pride cannot stand the cross. It will fall apart. Immorality cannot stand the cross. It will fall apart. Poverty cannot stand the cross. It will fall apart. Do you know why some people are still struggling, especially with poverty? It's because they are yet to believe that only the cross of Calvary can crush poverty in their lives. If you want to test how much people trust the cross, tell them to abandon and to let go of what, what, what promises to bring them help. Whether it is a, whether it is a, a rich uncle or, a, or a, an employer or things like that. Tell them to, de, to, to detach from such people. Then you will know that their only hope is the cross of Calvary. We are as powerful as a congregation to the extent of the cross we have embraced. People, Mama Florence, people of God fear suffering. They fear trouble. They fear noise. <laughs> Yet, real warriors do not run away from trouble. They run towards it. And why are you going to run towards this trouble? You hear so-and-so is in trouble and you are quick to go and to trust God with that person because you are no longer living for yourself. You are now living by the power of the cross. But what will give you confidence in the cross? When you discover the cross is on a hill where no serpent can reach. The cross is on a hill where no demon can reach. This evening, some of you, all you are going to do is to forgive yourself. This evening, some of you, all you are going to do is to laugh at your problem. Laugh at your mess. Laugh, at, laugh at, 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 at your mistakes. Laugh after. I mean, laugh at your weaknesses. Because whether you are weak or strong does not matter. What matters? Where is the position of the cross in your life? 
If the cross is near you, you have authority, you have victory. But if it is far from you, however strong you are or weak you are, you are still in trouble. And people of God, on a more practical note, your health can be founded on the cross or on the health insurance. Hello? Your health can be founded on the cross. You believe that the Lord died and by stripes you are healed. And he will always take care of you no matter what. And you rest in that. So you hear sickness coming or a disease coming or an uncle having a symptom. And you say, Lord, my hope is built on nothing else except Jesus and him crucified. On another practical note, your resources or your job or your finances can be founded on the cross so that you don't fear being sacked. Neither are you anxious to be promoted because your promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It comes from the Lord. And when the Lord decides you are getting rich, you will be getting rich. And if he decides you are going high, you are going high. The cross of Calvary should be a foundation. Your foundation for tomorrow. Your foundation for your health. Your foundation even for your image. You know, I used to have a problem as a teenager. A big problem. I used to wonder how people look at me. I used to wonder, am I, am I thin or fat? You know those basic teenage, teen, teenage problems. Am I thin or fat? And I used to have a problem with my head. It used to be big. You know? My head was big and, oh God, I even locked myself in the bathroom and I cried, God, my head is big. And my God, I, 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 I had turmoil as, as I grew as a teenager. I had turmoil. Why? I was trying to base my identity on how I looked like. I was trying to base my happiness on whether people liked me or not. And do you know some of you as old as you are, maybe in your 40s or in your 50s, that could still be an issue. Ah, so-and-so does not like me, or so-and-so uh, so does not really embrace me as he should embrace me, or as she should embrace me. And the Lord is wondering, when will my cross be your only hope? Oh, so-and-so did not sing as nice, he did not lead nicely. And you're like, all this pettiness. When will the cross just be allowed to send its, its victory down to the streets? So many things bother God's people, but eternally will never count for anything. One time I was in a certain church, I won't mention, and then I met a pastor and the service leader, and the pastor was on the receiving end from the service leader. Do you know you, you wasted time and on that point you should have made it like this? And you know Professor So-and-so was in that group and he was wondering what is wrong with our church. <sighs> and the pastor was receiving it and receiving it and receiving it. Then the pastor turned and he began to apologize because he feared the board will kick him out of his job. And then the Lord told me, no wonder you don't see power and my move in this place. The cross was not the issue. The issue was decorum and decency. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let me speak to you a bit. You know, Satan, when he was Lucifer, was known for one thing. What? One thing. What was it? Beauty. So God, instead of coming in beauty, came in ugliness. And Satan got confused. Lucifer is expecting Christ to come shining and glowing. And Christ comes hitting without washing his hands. You know? And the son of man is hanging out with losers and sinners. And Satan is like, boss, I thought you are 
the glorious God. And he bought his time for 33 years and he could not catch him. And sometimes when you are too cute and too caught up in being nice, the Lord will be asking, why are you playing with Satan? People of God, the most ugly, irrational thing sometimes can be what God wants to use to lift you up. That shout that does not make sense, that jumping that does not make sense, that running around that does not make sense, that is what will confuse Satan and give you the victory. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was telling my, my sister over here, one of the reasons why some people are caught in bad decisions, whether in business or in marriage, is because they were looking for what was cute more than what was acceptable to God. Like, personally, I may be trying to look for the girl to marry, and I'm all cute, I'm all looking at the lipstick, I'm all looking at the figure, I'm all looking at the lips, and God is like my son. When will you be like me and confuse Satan? Beat Satan at his game. So Lucifer lands down on earth, and he lands calling himself the beautiful angel. Christ comes as the ugly maker. And before he knew it, he was kicked at the cross. And he has never recovered to death. Where the prayers are so nice, God may not move sometimes. Oh, am I losing it? Where the preaching is so orderly and the powerpoints are on point, <laughs> the people may not be touched. And where the singing is all choir and all organized, eh? and the, the, the choir master is almost using his shoe to direct the people. The Lord may not move. Why? Because Satan is already cute and you are joining him in being cute. And God wants it to be ugly. He wants it to be full of the cross. My brother, my sister, the cross is ugly. The cross is not cute. The cross is ugly. There is noise at the cross. There is Father, Father, why have you so forsaken me? Those are the prayers at the cross. <laughs> Some of your prayers need to be radical. They need to be so desperate so that the power of the cross can really be able to manifest. Christ is busy crying and shouting and screaming and his blood is flowing and he's saying things do not, that do not make sense. Eloi, Eloi. And people are like, he's calling Elijah. I like it when people cannot figure out what I'm praying about sometimes. I like it when my prayers do not make sense. Because what am I doing? I am provoking the power on the hill. The power on the cross. The church lost it when we became cute. When we became cute, we became like Lucifer. When we became cute, we became like Satan. And when we lose it a bit, when preachers do not mind sweating on the pulpit, and they do not mind shaking on the pulpit, and they do not mind running around like fools, provided the people will be healed, who cares? We want the cross. The cross in your marriage will begin to work. When you forget about your culture. Oh, men don't kneel to their wives. Oh, men don't do this to their wives. When you forget about your culture. And you begin to say, Lord, whatever it takes for you to have your way in this marriage, I will do it, Lord. The cross will begin to work in your children when you forget about decorum and you forget about psychology and you begin to say, Lord, do I kneel 20 times for this child to be touched? What do I do, Lord? And the Lord will tell you, get ugly and out of the ugliness will come beauty. Two times I've met men of God. One of them I met on Thursday. One time I met a man of God in 2001 and he told me the same thing 
Another man of God told me on Thursday. This one in 201 told me, my brother, you look too beautiful. I just want to touch your face. Oh, I just want to hug you. What, what have you been doing? What oil have you been using? The man did not know one thing. I was from the presence of God where I had shed so many mucus and so many tears. And I had cried and sealed my body and begged God on my face. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. The man was getting ugly. The more an outer beauty and an inner beauty was forming that I did not have an idea about. Can I talk to you? Sometimes you are not attracting favor because you are yet to get ugly in the private. You are not attracting the compelling presence of God because you are yet to get ugly. And people of God, we forgot being ugly because Lucifer came and lied to us. To be ugly is when somebody is talking to God and milkers are coming out and he does not care. And tears are coming out and he does not care. And the hair is getting ragged, he does not care. When he rises up, heaven says, Behold, the power of my cross, the beauty of my cross, the victory of my cross. So I went somewhere on Thursday. I took time just to roll before God and to beg the Lord. And I was all over the place looking ugly, looking, you know, all those fancy things I was putting on like my watch. I removed them and I was losing myself in the Lord. Then I got a phone call. Hey, we require you for coming to come to this meeting. So I went for a late dinner. And the servant of God looked at me and he began to do the same thing that person did in 201. He began to touch my face. And he wanted even to kiss it. Oh my God, I've never seen this beauty. I don't know, I don't know. And he was almost worshipping me. And I asked the Lord, what's going on? He told me, you have become beautiful through ugliness. What is your beauty? What is the source of your beauty? The source of your beauty is your ugliness. When you go to God and you are not approved and you beg God for approval, till the approval comes. And then you walk away silently. And you may not notice what you carry that time, but you carry the presence of glory over your life. I hope now you understand why it is so stupid to commit a sin and then to run away from God instead of facing God and repenting. Because in your ugliness, God wants to make you beautiful. I hope now you understand why it is so stupid to make a mistake and oh, you are scratching your head and giving excuses about it instead of saying, Father, forgive me, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me, a wicked man. I like being dirty. Like now I'm so dirty. My God, look at my jacket. I like being dirty. I like being desperate. I like being noisy. Not to displease people, but to up, up, get the approval of heaven. When I lift my hands and I say, Father, and heaven shakes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, may every spirit of self-condemnation begin to lift. It is a lie of the devil. May every spirit of self-condemnation begin to lift from all of you. May the spirit of self-anguish begin to lift from all of you. May the spirit of I'm not good enough begin to lift from all of you. May the religious spirit of, of condemnation be broken right now in the name of Jesus. May the spirit of sufficiency, self-sufficiency be broken from you in the name of Jesus.
May the spirit of pride be broken. Ancestral pride, let it be broken right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the spirit of barrenness that comes because the cross is yet to have its way be broken. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the spirit of, self, of frustration begin to lift off from all of you. In the mighty name of Jesus. No more can you carry frustration. No more can you carry frustration. No more can you carry barrenness. No more can you carry stuntedness. In the mighty name of Jesus. No more can you be clueless about where life is going. Because the cross of Jesus has already lifted you. And now you are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. The Lord is lifting you in your very place of suffering. Even to the place of self uh, of, 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 of justification. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is lifting you from the place of darkness. Even to carry light like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is lifting you out even of frustration. Even my father I take authority and I decree as you are lifting them out of frustration you are giving them non-stop victory after non-stop victory in the mighty name of Jesus. The cross is not a loser. The cross is a winner. The cross brings victory after victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Father we invite the cross right now. We invite the cross in our foundation. No other foundation will speak in our lives other than the foundation of the cross of Calvary in the mighty name of Jesus. No other voice shall speak on our behalf other than the voice of the cross in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. And I see generational obstacles that have circled people over and over like a snake. It is beginning to break in the mighty name of Jesus. Generational obstacles. My brother, the Lord is saying to you, never defend yourself again. When they call you stupid, say the cross of Jesus has made me wise. On my own, I am not wise. But because of Jesus, I have the wisdom of God. No longer be self-justifying. No longer justify yourself. The Lord is saying, what has delayed much of your victories, people? Is self-justification. You think a better day to be better will come. Yet the better day already came on the cross of Calvary. You cannot be better on your own. You cannot be better by yourself. There is already someone who has been approved of his work. And that is Jesus on the cross. What he did on the cross is already enough. Come out of self justification. You don't owe anyone a bigger explanation than the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus that was done on your behalf. Thank you, Lord. And every kind of confusion that has come to your way, every kind of confusion that you have been facing, trying to figure it out by your personality, trying to figure it out by your ability, I take, I take authority and I break that confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. Let confusion be broken. Let confusion be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Let self-sufficiency be broken so that the Lord through his blood and his cross can begin to pump his victory into our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is begging some of you on your story. Don't run away from your story. Don't run away from your mistakes. Own them up. Face them up with the, with the victory of the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do not fear your story. It is, not, it is not a poison. It is a weapon the Lord wants to use. Out of the foolishness of Saul of Tarsus, we got the wisdom of Paul, the apostle. Before you can be wise, you have to be foolish. To be foolish enough to realize, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Thank you, Lord. People of God, 
The Holy Spirit in me knows that I love with all of my heart. And I'm not telling you anything to discourage you. I want you to be free. Some of the battles you are fighting, I have fought them. Some have lost, some have won. But I feel strongly in my spirit. Many of you are yet to own your story. You are yet to own your story. You are yet to thrive in your story. When the Lord broke me, I thought he was doing me injustice. Little did I know he was empowering me. So that when I look at those who are suffering, I know what they are going through. When I look at those feeling condemned, I know what condemnation is. The compassion I have for children, I have been a broken child. The compassion I have on women, I have been a broken, a broken son to a woman. I have watched a woman broken. And I know what it is to an extent. I have owned my story. And I don't know why the Lord has decided this evening to lay such a big truth before us. But I feel tonight people need to own their story. There's so much presence of God in this place. You know you have not owned your story. Come and own it before the cross. Oh, it was there by faith I received my son and now I am a pure. I'll just explain it to you. <laughs> Only the broken can heal. Only the broken can heal. Only the condemned can forgive truly. I feel the anointing in this place. Only those who have been devastated can pick those who are broken. Oh, there is so much deliverance going on right now. Only those who have been crushed can pick the broken. And heal them. And this evening the Lord is saying. Where are my warriors? Those who thought they were broken. Yet the Lord was not breaking them. The Lord was preparing them. Do not run away from your story. Do not run away from the days you almost starved. Do not run away from the days you almost ran mad. Do not run away from the days you almost succumbed to depression. Do not run away from your story. Come and have a foundation. But it's based on the cross. Do not run away from your weaknesses. This is the time to say, Lord, as I am, give me a new beginning. Give me a new mandate. Do not run away from the story of your poverty. Only the poor can know what it is to be rich. Jesus, I love Hey. Somebody is being delivered from deceit. Somebody is being delivered from condemnation. Somebody is being delivered from hopelessness. Somebody is being delivered tonight. Somebody is being delivered from hopelessness. Somebody is being delivered from fear. Somebody is being delivered tonight. Somebody is being delivered. Wrestle at the feet of the cross. Every spirit of embarrassment, the Lord is breaking it right now. Every spirit of embarrassment, the Lord is breaking it. Every spirit of shame, the Lord is breaking it. I love you, Lord. There is so much deliverance tonight. Yamba hozo kobo na mazia. Leba baba shako bobozia. The ugliness of Jesus is your beauty. The ugliness of Jesus is your beauty. Akaboza la laba. Ayatora la mazia baba. The cries of Jesus is your boldness. The fear of Jesus is your boldness. The begging of Jesus is your power. 
Do not run away anymore from your sins. Do not run away anymore from your weakness. Embrace the cross. So much power is shaking things from people. So much power from the cross of Jesus is shaking people. It is shaking weaknesses. It is shaking curses. Love you, Lord. The Lord is saying to some of you, get desperate. Get desperate for that fresh air. Get desperate for that fresh air. Get desperate for that fresh air. Say, Lord, I will not leave you. I will not abandon this moment. Till I have seen your touch upon my soul. Till I have seen your touch upon my spirit. I'm tired of the same embarrassment. I'm tired of the same frustration. I'm tired, Lord Jesus, of the same embarrassment. I'm tired of the same fear. I see crowns beginning to be put on people. Crowns of victory. Crowns of victory. Crowns of victory. Crowns written, it is done. Crowns written, it is done. Crowns written, it is done. Your past cannot go into your future. Your future is the Calvary cross. The wheel in front of you is the cross. The wheel in front of you is the cross. The seat in front of you is the cross. The Lord is clothing you with salvation. The Lord is clothing you with deliverance. The Lord is clothing you with deliverance. Jesus. Jesus. Every wound be healed right now. The wounds of the soul. The wounds of your past. Let them be healed once and forever. The wounds in your spirit. Let them be healed once and forever. The wounds in your finances. Let them be healed once and forever. I see wounds in the mind. Let the wounds in the mind be healed once and forever. The Lord is begging some of you, please. This is your moment to encounter the cross. The same way you can see the Holy Spirit and feel His presence. The same way you can see Jesus. You also need to see the cross. Because there is victory in that cross. There is a story that will change the world from that cross. Christianity is Christianity because of the cross. Not because of Moses or Jeremiah. No. All these were pointing to that climax called the cross. Your story can begin today when you embrace the cross. I wish I could have tears enough to beg you. Please embrace the cross. Please beg God to reveal the cross to you. Oh yeah, yeah, pa, yeah, mama, mama. Even those of you budding preachers, budding evangelists, budding intercessors, till you can be able to minister from the cross, your ministry will be powerless. People will be motivated but not transformed. I pray for a new standard in this church, a new standard in the, in the members, a new standard in the leaders, a new standard in everyone, that we will have the encounter of the cross. That Jesus crucified will mean a personal thing to us. That Jesus crucified will mean a personal reality to us. We will not go in our own way. We will go in the way of the cross. I pray the stories of men and women in this church will change from tonight as they touch the cross. The fear they have been walking in, the embarrassment they have been walking in will be run away because of the cross. The presence of the Lord is here. Holy Spirit, we ask you tonight. As the Roman soldier saw Jesus and he said, surely 
this be the son of God. As Saul of Tarsus saw him, and he said, what will you want me to do, Lord? Tonight I ask for that encounter. That you no longer need follow-up about sin and wickedness. That you no longer need counseling about addictions. But seeing the raw blood as it is on the cross, we will bow on our knees, fall on our face and say, Lord, what will you have me to do? That even the places where we are bound in our finances, bound in our relationships, Lord, there will be a revelation of the blood and the cross. And everything in our relationships will say, Lord, what will you have me to do? And rising on our face will say, surely, I have touched the Lord. He has touched me. He has bent me. He has broken me. He has healed me. Every spirit of unforgiveness, we break you in this presence. Every spirit of jealousy, we break you in this presence. Every spirit of confusion, we break you in this presence. The Lord is saying, the spirit of anxiety, we break you in this presence. Because of the cross, we can no longer be anxious of tomorrow or of today. Because of the cross, we can no longer be anxious of what we shall eat or wear. Because Jesus has paid it all just for me. And Lord, some of us who do not have explanation to give to our children or our spouses or our parents concerning issues in our lives, may we have one explanation from tonight. Jesus and Him crucified. May the cross become our explanation from tonight. Jesus came and did it just for me. Just for me. Just for me. Just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me just for me just for me Jesus came and did just for me by the authority given unto me by Jesus I pronounce just as he finished it on the cross and he said it was finished. So from tonight it is finished. I pronounce by the authority given unto me by Jesus. Just as because the blood has been poured and there is nothing else to pour. The cry of Jesus has been heard and there is no other cry to be heard. The flesh of Jesus has been shredded and there is nothing else to shred. I decree because of the cross it is finished. Because of the cross there is no more need for any other explanation. Because of the cross, there is no other need for any other invention. Because of the cross, there is no other need for any justification. Because of the cross, there is no, no other need for any kind of, of debate. The cross has already said, it is finished. When you see your neighbor embarrassed, don't run away from him. Embrace him. When you see your neighbor condemned, don't run away from him. Embrace him. When you see your neighbor in pain, don't ignore him. Embrace him. When you see your neighbor condemned and confused because of 
a sin, whichever nature of sin it is, the cross is a place of Father, forgive them. The cross is also the place of Father, help them to forgive themselves. As you forgive yourself, as you forgive your neighbor, as you embrace them, the power of the Lord will begin to move in your life. I sense the Lord is calling some of you to new heights of ministry. That you no longer just know the Bible and scriptures and you quote them better than I do. But you begin to see joy where there is sorrow. You begin to see beauty where there is ugliness. You begin to see possibility where there is impossibility. The Bible says, is this not the fast that I have ordained? That you should not cover yourself from your nakedness. Do not run away from your nakedness. Embrace the cross. And let your nakedness prove to be your glory. Embrace your neighbor's weaknesses. And let those weaknesses be proved to be nothing before the cross. 